Warning, what follows is a story of monsters, madness, and mayhem. I'm Nick. And I'm Zach. Welcome to Weird and Feared, a barely educational podcast about global folklore that aims to entertain, enlighten, what? (laughs) And expand your world. to have a little fun with the cadence and you totally forget what you say because it's all muscle memory uh-huh. oh my god what a wild ride that was yeah oh how are you doing i'm i'm doing fine that's cool i noticed you, i noticed your shirt today yeah that's pretty cool it is a shirt is that from the colorados it is interesting we're gonna talk a little about colorado today oh huh, okay just a little bit so it's quite a quite synergy we have going on right now mm-hmm good all right, well, this episode may also be a slight fright, but with many slight frights, we say that, and they end up not being totally slight frights. Yeah. Could be a shorter one, maybe not. We'll find out. Came across something. We're going to dive into just a little bit of history here involving the, um, you know, the state where you purchased that beautiful shirt. Um, mm-hmm. The territory of Colorado um, came together February 28th, 1861. Interesting. That was a while ago. That was a while that was ago. a date, too. Yeah. All right. August 1st, 1876, U.S. President Ulysses S. Grant um, signed Proclamation 230, admitting Colorado to the Union. And it was, in fact, the 38th state. It's called the Centennial State because it became a state one century after the signing of the United States Declaration of Independence. Hmm. I didn't know that. Me neither. I've never heard it called the Centennial State before. No. Colorado is the Spanish adjective meaning ruddy. Ruddy. Yeah, ruddy. Hmm. I've known an individual with the last name of ruddy, but I never knew that's what it meant. Interesting. But ruddy itself means um, it's red. It's the color of red sandstone. Oh. All right. Do you see a lot of red sandstone when you're out there? Uh, I did not. Not a whole lot, at least. But no. I was mostly just in... The Rocky Mountain National Park. So. Gotcha. Perhaps not too many sandstones popping out at you. Not that I noticed, at least. Did you happen to see, um, when you were in that park, the uh, state's dinosaur? What is the state's dinosaur? It's a stegosaurus. I did not. <laughs> so what dinosaurs did you see? <laughs> I, some birds. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's true. All right. That would have been cool if I saw a dinosaur. God, wouldn't that have been... I mean... If that would have been the case, I would have hoped you would have told me by now. No. <laughs> it's not mad. I'm, I'm hanging on to that Velociraptor secret till the day I die. Yep. No one needs to know about what other raptors I've seen. All right. But, um, you know, like we talked about and like you said where you went, Colorado was home to the Rocky Mountains and uh, many mountain peaks. Mm-hmm. We're going to just take a quick glance at some mountain peaks, okay? Yeah. All right. Let's peak them. We're going to do some peaks. And these uh, these descriptions come from Colorado.com. Wow. I know we went all out. Yeah. 
Can I open the link? That would be cool. All right. So again, just kind of setting the stage, talking about the area we're discussing. And there's a lot of mountain peaks. These are six famous ones. Because, um, do you know what a 14er is? I do. Hell yeah, you do. How many does Colorado have? Uh, you don't have to know, I can tell you. Double digits. It's double digits. At least 58. Damn. And to those that don't know, it's a uh, mountain peak that rises more than 14,000 feet above the sea level. It's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Now we got, first on deck here, we got Mount Albert. And that's the tallest mountain in Colorado. It's 14,440 feet, second highest in the contiguous United States. Let's see, and you can, um, you know, hikers are lucky. There's a 4.5-mile trail that goes all the way to the lofty summit. Though with an elevation gain of more than 4,500 feet along the way, you might not feel so lucky. That's rough. Isn't that extreme? Yeah. That might be a problem. All right, next on deck, Maroon Bells. It's actually kind of two peaks, Maroon Peak and North Maroon Peak. Oh, Maroon Bells. Uh, the most it's the most photographed peaks in Colorado's Rocky Mountains, and when you see them, you'll understand why. With a, ref- a reflective lake to cast back their beauty and a crystalline blue sky to frame their edges, the pyramid-like peaks of these sister mountains are a photographer's dream. The naked faces of these often snow-dusted behemoths stand in contrast to the lush greenery of conifers and brilliant wildflowers that grow in their shadows. Now, there's a trail there. It's a 1.5-mile bike trail hikers and bikers can take. Snowmobiling is also an option on this these uh, exceptional Twin Peaks. Inclines. <laughs> yes, <laughs> inclines, right. And Pike's Peak. At 14,115 feet, Pike's Peak is a monolithic monument named for explorer... I didn't, never, I didn't know this was a name. Okay, skim these. Obviously, I want to talk about some peaks. Zebulon Pike. Oh, yeah. I was at, well, I didn't go to Pike's Peak, but I was at the Garden of the Gods, so you can see it from there. God. But I was out there in October. <clears throat> Zebulon. Zebulon. It's quite it's a good name. name. I mean, and just like Zeb. Strong. It is strong. It's got a good short name, too. Good nickname, Zeb. Yeah. yeah. All right, so a little bit on Zebulon Pike, whose travels left an indelible mark on the psyche of the American people in the Rocky Mountains. I'm not going to tell me a lot about him here. I probably should dive into him. While Pike himself was never able to reach its summit, he was the first documented pioneer to try. So, like, literally like a participation's trophy? That's not nice to say about Zebulon Pike, but, I mean, he gave huh. it a go. He didn't make it, though. Ah. I, I did a little bit of reading on it when I was there, but I don't remember why. Yeah. So, storm, probably. That could be. I mean, or just, you know, if I was out there, I would just, like, motion around like, the wilderness. Yeah. A little extreme. Do you see how high it is? I'm, it's like, ah. I'm done. I tried. I tried. Um, but, yeah, infused with historic significance, a picture of this mountain is more than just a shot of, a shot of scenery. It's a glimpse into Colorado's identity. Another one. This is number four. Um, it's the centerpiece of Rocky Mountain National Park. So had you experienced Long's Peak? Take a gander. Right, Regally stands at 14,255 feet. Now, this odd-shaped peak juts up like an eroded box, displaying both sharp corners and flat faces, including a flat summit. To these geometric angles, light and shadow compete throughout the day, providing dramatic contrasts and breathtaking photographs. 
Um, it's another mountain named after a major explorer. Major Stephen H. Long. In 1820, his group explored the Colorado Territory's newly defined northern boundary. Their party only witnessed this peak from afar, but even at a distance, they found the largest mountain on the horizon fit to bear the name of their respected leader. When you encounter this Long's peak, you'll see why they were inspired to do so. And uh, Mount Evans, uh, another important peak. And that one's 14,000 feet high, or just above, 14,260. Um, Evans leads you along the highest paved road in the United States. Um, the road is closed and impassable due to snow from Labor Day to Memorial Day. But once it opens, bring your camera and be prepared for some of the most magnificent views you've ever seen. Next up, Mount Sneffels. Sneffels. Sneffels, yeah. Juts out of the earth like a mythical peak. High alpine trees abruptly give way at Timberline, allowing the naked face of the 14,150-foot peak to loom over the landscape. Uh, it sits in the extremely rugged Mountain Sneffels Wilderness Area. Again, take a gander, take a trip, and check out mountains that are in Colorado. Those are a few, six in fact. But also, um, well, you know, we talked about Colorado has 58 14ers. It's also got a slew of 13ers. Also a high. Very high. Mountain. Very high, exactly. Um, so while this mountain uh, peak is not a 14er, Lizardhead Pass is still another fascinating peak. Lizardhead lies just southeast of a group of three Colorado 14ers, which Mount Wilson, um, Wilson Peak, and El Diente Peak. Lizardhead is only the 556th highest peak in Colorado. I mean, there's just nothing but yeah. This is okay. This is nothing but mountains. Yeah, that's all there is. I mean, not really, but like a lot of them. Yep. It's like a whole mountain range over there. By most standard definitions, um, but its towering spire-like form makes it one of the most spectacular, um, which is the reason why I included it, and for other reasons. But you know, we'll we'll get to there. Let's see. I have because I have an image right here, but I was hoping I'd be able to blow it up. If you can, can I open this? Is that as small as it's going to be? I was pretty impressed by how it looks. That's a small photo, but like, see how it's like a, like a, like it juts out, like it just sticks out, like it's not like a gradual range that reaches like a, uh, a you know, a peak, a mm-hmm. point. It's just this weird, almost like a castle, like a not an obelisk, but like a tower. It's a weird, yeah, natural rock formation. Mm-hmm. Lizard Peak, kind of bizarre. But yeah, all those peaks, you know, for better, um, if you've seen them, you may be able to um, acknowledge their beauty. For, I was going to say for better or worse, but like, what's worse? For better or worse, those are pretty pretty mountains, right? Hate looking what? at mountains. Yeah, whether it, you know, definitely not a waste of time. But I mean, Colorado, it's home to, and, and I, I just focusing on the mountains for a specific reason, but um, Colorado itself, like much of America, beautiful state, mm-hmm. full of many wonders of nature um but sometimes this nature doesn't have to be beautiful uh sometimes this nature can be merciless let's take a quick look at what that can mean this is from a local news station um just about certain you know certain potential problems that nature may cause you in Colorado. I mean, Zach, what causes a rock slide? 
uh, rocks falling. Rocks being bad. Weather. I don't know. Yeah, this is uh, an article by Brooks Garner from <clears throat> KDVR.com. Boulder County. It's happened again. Rock slide closes a, and this, of course, is dated April 28th, 2021. Rock slide closes a major road in Colorado. The last one in Boulder County along a stretch of Highway 119 called the Narrows. It happened Tuesday night, and some witnesses compared it to the size of a school bus, likely induced by heavy precipitation of rain and snow. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, no one was hurt. It's also a humbling reminder when you see a falling rock zone sign on the side of the road to proceed with caution, as you never know what you'll find around the bend. Rock slides happen every year in Colorado. Most are small, but some are more significant and impactful, closing roads at times for days or even weeks. I bet some can be real impactful. I mean, <laughs> I got an image I'm going to show you. Like, here's, here's just one of, like, look, there's a rock on the road. That's not a small rock. Uh, that's a big rock. If you're in a car. You don't want to hit that. That's going to destroy your car and you if it lands on you, if you hit it. Yep. That ain't good. Yeah, it was a, uh, and then uh, they, yeah, it happens all the time. The phenomena is so common, it's a cause for humor amongst first responders. Huh. I mean, dark, okay. dark humor, I would assume. Yeah. All Maybe. Right. On Highway 1, yeah, we're just like, this is fucking hilarious. Yeah. On Highway 145 north of Cortez in southwest Colorado over Memorial Day weekend 2019, one such slide shut down the road. Shut down the road down. Hmm. Shut down the road down. It's a bad, it's worded badly. Why am I acknowledging that? Let's just blow by it past that. And while crews blasted the rock into smaller pieces and repaired the road surface and barriers. This was after a rock the size of a small building, weighing in at more than 2.5 million pounds, fell and blocked the highway. How many million pounds? (laughs) (laughs) 2.5 million pounds. Oh. Just a couple pounds. Is that a... Did they show me the image in that one? I think another one has the image of that one. But, yeah, so, you know, again, what happened? What causes rock slides? Well, they can fall. Rock rock falls can be random with micro-earthquakes or the settling of the bedrock below. Often the freeze-thaw cycle is the driving force for big shift. This is common in springtime in Colorado after the weight of the snow gives way to massive melt. Gravel and mud are lubricated and boulders that were once stuck slide freely under gravity's influence. Sometimes something as subtle as thunder, loud exhaust pipes. I'd hate to be that guy. <laughs> you know? Car backfires. Boom! Get buried in rocks. It's like, oh, man. Or the heavy foot of a passing elk. Oh, God. Can spark a slide. But by hate far... to be that elk, too. Be like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, no! A guy in the highway looks up. He sees an elk just starting to fall down a bunch of rocks, and he's like, oh, well... <laughs> they exchange, That's not good. They exchange, exchange a glance, and they're both like, "Well, yeah, all right, good luck." If it's dark and stormy, the article suggests you should perhaps avoid roads where rock slides have been known to happen in the past. Another article dealing with rock slides is from the Denver Post. It's called a rock slide with house-sized boulder wipes out section of highway in southwest Colorado. I'm going to turn this to you. That's rock slide. 
Yeah, that's a good one. It's a pretty uh, so big, some real big rocks. Yeah, we're not messing around there, and mm-hmm. everything. You know, there's a nice path. Everything's been, you know, totally destroyed. And this was the one I thought I had the image of the actual boulder itself from 2019. Because um, this article is from Maine. I think that happened in April of 2019. Rock slide between Cortez and Telluride closed Colorado 145 on Friday, according to the Colorado Department of Transportation. Now, the slide, about 12 miles north of Dolores, has closed the highway indefinitely. So, you know. Colorado Department of Transportation said. Um, rocks, dirt, and two giant boulders, one as big as a house, destroyed the full width of the road, leaving an eight-foot trench across both lanes and making the section impassable. One boulder is estimated to weigh 8.5 million pounds, huh. and the other is estimated at 2.3 million pounds. Now, why did the other article not like not lead with the 8.5 million pounds? They didn't tell me about that one. Yeah, I don't know. But if you want to see how big that boulder is compared to a person... Again, not good for an audio medium, but good for you. Yeah, it's a it's big. It's a big rock. It's like it's a giant rock. Five times that's his height. Yeah, basically. Yeah, not good. No. And way and way wider. Probably weighs a lot more than him too. Yeah, probably. He probably doesn't weigh even a million pounds if I had to guess. No, I, that guy probably weighs a little less than a million pounds. Yeah. <laughs> what if he did weigh a million pounds? He'd be dense. Well, he he would be, be really dense. dense. He's not. He wouldn't be able to. Uh, cope with he wouldn't be allowed to live in colorado because he'd be be sinking actually he'd still be sinking into the earth yeah or he'd be causing rock slides with every step oh yeah if you think an elk is a problem yeah oh there's bill he weighs a million million pound bill (laughs) (laughs) he looks but he looks he doesn't he looks like a normal guy that's the problem yeah it's very deceiving wait wait till he gets in the car watch this (laughs) good crush (laughs) (laughs) the car's tires just (laughs) fold fold Yeah, if he concentrates real hard, he might be able to focus his denseness. What if that was your superpower? He just gets out of the car every day, and he's like, not again. (laughs) It's like every fucking time it's going to happen. You weigh a million pounds. And he's like, my insurance premiums (laughs) every time. This isn't an act of God. It's an act of Bill. Every time I move, it's hopeless. (laughs) I'm fucked. What if that was a power, though? Like you could control control your denseness. Like you control it. That would be better. Because then you could, you know, be light as a feather. You could float. You could fly, basically. Then become just a giant. That's interesting. It'd be, it'd be better than just being a million pounds. Cool, correct. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how you'd be able to move. And if you were able to move, you'd be one of the strongest people imaginable just to be able to... Yeah. Get your body up. Right, exactly. Well, that's a good aside. I like that. Things fall in Colorado. Okay. Rock slides are bad. Mm-hmm. Avalanches are also bad. Right. They're like a rock slide, but with little tiny snowflakes. Right. But billions of them. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Speaking of precipitation causing things to fall, it is precipitation falling on you. Mm -hmm. It's not good. I'm going to read you part of an article from CNN.com. So, you know, just be careful. I'm sure it's factual, is my point. Okay. I don't want people to. Beyond that, my CNN article that talks about skier dies after being fully buried in a Colorado avalanche. Now, backcountry skier near Cameron Pass in Colorado's Rocky Mountains died Christmas Eve after being fully buried in an avalanche. Well, that's a bad time. And this is Christmas Eve, um, December 26th. Well, the article is December 26, 2021. So this individual just recently just last passed away. A couple of weeks ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
It was Colorado's first avalanche death of the season. A total of 12 people died in the state in the 2020-2021 avalanche season, the most in nearly a decade, according to the Colorado Avalanche Information Center. Um, investigators say Friday's avalanche was about 150 feet wide. The incident happened at 2 p.m. on the southeast end of South Diamond Peak. Now, per a news release, the victim's partner was able to locate him with a transceiver and probe pole and extricate him from the snow, but he did not survive. Bummer. Now, the uh, cause of the avalanche is still under investigation. Of course, they haven't released the uh, victim's identity, um, and everybody gives you know their deepest condolences um, to their loss of life. Um, over the last 10 winters, an average of 27 people died in U.S. avalanches each winter. About 150 people are killed annually. Um, Ethan Green, the director of the uh, CAIC, um, he mentioned that the most important thing people can do is to understand conditions and avoid getting caught. Quote, what everyone has in common is that desire to really experience the mountains in kind of a raw and ungroomed, unkempt manner. Uh, Green would continue. Unfortunately, once you get caught, you just don't have that many options. Your chance of survival drops precipitously. Uh-huh. Now, they had posted avalanche warnings for most of the state's mountains, and a snowstorm had hit on that Thursday and left behind two feet of snow. Snow? Sure. Two feet of snow. And that weekend would, you know, continue to be dangerous. And then that's the third skier that had died in Colorado in recent weeks. One man hit a tree sucks. who was 60 years old. I know there's no other way to react to that. Like, <laughs> no. It's like, that's, that's brutal. Yeah. yeah. Mm. A 60-year-old man hit a tree, and then a 72-year-old um, hit a snowboarder, and he passed away. Oh, Jesus. I know. That's catastrophic. Yeah. So the mountains are beautiful. But I mean, and the, I just picked recent examples, of course. Obviously, you can go through every history of Colorado. <laughs> yeah. And... and you know, feel the tragic um, bad things that have happened over the course of its history. You can imagine the harsh realities of some of the first pioneers that would be going out to Colorado, mm-hmm. experiencing this for the very first time. Many of the settlers, the uh, guys we mentioned, the names of the peaks, you know, they uh, rough the terrain. And old Zeb. Old Zeb. The old Zeb and old... Um, guy. Guy. Guy <laughs> Peak. Yeah. Guy Peak and... Pike's Peak and all the Zeb peaks. is. Yeah. He's a Pike. Yeah. Zeb Pike. Right. Zeb, Zeb Pike. So yeah, people would go out west to make money because of course they would. How are they trying to make money? Well, you can't stop capitalism and they needed to pursue their financial gain and see what was out there. Mm-hmm. Mining. A mining was far and away the most this is from historyofcolorado.org. A mining was far and away the most significant industry in nineteenth and early twentieth century Colorado has remained important since that time. The Pikes Peak hmm, gold rush brought unprecedented numbers of people into the region, and that in turn led to powerful social, economic, and political changes that brought about the creation of Colorado Territory in 1861, of course, and then Colorado would become a state in 1876. Now, mining in all its phases remained the great engine of the Colorado economy until the early 20th century. Uh, the industry has also contributed to significant technological advances, and that, combined with the professional studies of all aspects of the industry, um, had powerful ramifications in the in- industry's global expansion in both 
the 19th and 20th centuries. Though sometimes derided as a mom-and-pop industry and one of quaint ruins, mineral development in the centennial state both reflected and contributed to the dramatic industrial and technological advances of the late 19th and 20th centuries. Now, uh, the powerful advance of industrial metal mining coupled with immense coal production contributed immensely to state, national, and international development. People are coming out here, and they're doing tough jobs. A lot of guys getting together, working hard. And when they're not working hard, they're hanging out. Hanging out. And when, not hanging out and when they are hanging out, they're drinking. Well. And they're telling stories. Not a lot's changed. No. Because that's exactly what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's just yeah. Tale as old as time. Yeah. Well, there wasn't just miners going in Colorado. We've also got some loggers. The logging industry in Southern Colorado began in the 1870s. Miners of the 18- tree. Miners, tree miners. Yeah. What are you doing, man? I'm <laughs> mining this tree <laughs> for its wood. <laughs> yeah. Initially interested in harvesting local pine to serve the railroad industry for ties and other purposes. As lines were just beginning to be heavily developed at that time. Where do the trains go? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Somebody gets on a train, there's trees there. And chop those trees down. We're going to sell them. Mm-hmm. Build, build more train tracks. Now we know where the train's going. <laughs> now we know where the train's going. <laughs> Ten feet further this way. Uh-huh. Oh, what are we doing? We're not looking for that. All right. So in 1876, this is from uh, CSFS. ColoState.edu. It's very informational. 1876. After three efforts at statehood, Colorado was granted admission into the Union. Upon admission, the federal government granted in trust to the state of Colorado approximately 4.5 million acres of land for the specific purpose of generating revenue to support state schools. Um, Congress gave all these states land to do as they please to help try and you know maintain public schools, given you know sell the stuff on the land, pay for the schooling, mm-hmm. you know. It's kind of a give and take yep. to actually help educate people. They mm-hmm. want people to learn. What a weird world. <laughs> well, that was strange. That's yeah. bizarre. Huh. you got to teach these kids, and we're going to give you money to do it. What? <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, President Franklin Roosevelt's... Um, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. The CSF, which is the Colorado State Forest, um, was established on December 2nd, 1838, by F- President Franklin Roosevelt... Um, but, of course, Colorado had been, you know, using its land. Like, we're consolidating things. What year was that? Into, like, a government agency, 1938. Okay. So, 1838. If I did, I was I was wrong. Maybe because I'm thinking 1800s. Because we jumped ahead a little bit. But, I mean, he basically just kind of cemented a thing that was already kind of sort of going on. Yeah. Um, but the uh, CSF has a long history of forest management. An extensive harvesting program of the forest was overseen. Um by land board foresters. Again, there's a lot of governmental agencies. The point is, it went on for a long time. One of the largest logging camps um, was Bachman Lumber Camp. It was the largest logging camp in Colorado history. And harvesting peaked in 1955 when almost 10 million um, board feet were cut in the forest. Doing a lot of business here. All right. The point is, from the 1800s until the early 20th and mid 20th centuries, logging and mining, you know, people of you know, people were working these tough jobs, mm-hmm. telling stories. Um, and as they would mine and forest, they would also, you know, slowly more people were introduced into the environment. Now, animals already lived there. They did. 
as they're cutting down their trees and their habitats and digging up their land. Um, I guess it's just a very natural American thing to do. Pioneering, tilling the soil, going into a place and just basically ripping it apart mm-hmm. for a couple of dollars. You know, if there's money to be made or spent, America will find a way. Now, as the United States began pressing further into Colorado's wilderness, um, perhaps they would stumble into other dangers or danger yet to be discovered. Good. Like avalanches. Uh-oh. Rock slides. Those are surprisingly bad. Those are natural things. They are. They're not alive. No. Like, you can't... Like, you can try to outrun an avalanche, but, like, you can't, like, trick it or trash talk. I guess you could trash talk an avalanche. Yeah. Hey, bitch, quit sliding over here. And then you just die. But, I mean, I'm not talking about, like, deer or anything. What if there was other things out there? Like a sentient avalanche? What if there was a sentient avalanche? (laughs) That'd That'd be a bad time. That'd be a real bad time. It would be a bad time. Wouldn't that be terrible? Yeah. A sentient avalanche or a sentient rock slide? Yeah. Sentient falling debris? What if it wasn't debris? What if it, well, I'm going to read your story. Okay. In the mountains of Colorado, where in summer the woods are becoming infested with tourists. I mean, money. It's there. Nice. Pulling mm-hmm. people out. Families are coming out. Um, this was written in the early 20th century. In the mountains of Colorado, where in summer the woods are becoming infested with tourists. Much uneasiness has been caused by the presence of the... Oh, I won't... Oh, never mind. I'm not going to spoil its name. Oh. Sorry. Oh, whoops. Oh. Anyways, whatever this thing is, this frightful animal lives only in the steepest mountain country, where the slopes are greater than 45 degrees. It has an immense head, with small eyes, and a mouth somewhat on the order of a sculpin. Kind of like a fish mouth. Mm-hmm. running back beyond its ears. The tail consists of a divided flipper with enormous grab hooks, which it fastens over the crest of a mountain or ridge, often remaining there motionless for days at a time, watching the gulch for tourists or any other hapless creature that may enter it. At the right moment, after sighting a tourist, what do you think it does? What do you think it's doing here? Going to give it like a high five or something? Uh, no, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think it's going to have a snack. It will lift its tail, thus loosening its hold on the mountains. And with its small eyes riveted on the poor unfortunate and drooling thin skid grease from the corners of its mouth, and drooling thin skid grease from the corners of its mouth, which greatly accelerates its speed, so it's drooling its own lube yeah, right. to get ready to slide. Okay. It greatly accelerates its speed. The Well, do you want to know what it's called? Yeah. Do you want to know what this thing is? Yeah, what is it? The Rock Slide Bolter. Rock Slide Bolter? Bolter, yeah. Okay. The Bolter comes down like a toboggan, scooping in its victim as it goes, its own impetus carrying it up the next slope where it again slaps its tail over the ridge and waits. Just imagine like a... Yeah. So it is like a sentient avalanche. It's exactly a sentient <laughs> avalanche. It is 100% a sentient avalanche that craves hungry. flesh, and it's always hungry. 
Whole parties of tourists are reported to have been gulped at one scoop by taking parties far back into the hills. The animals... The animals? Sure. The animals is a menace not only to tourists, but to the woods as well. It's typed animals, so it's... Many a draw through spruce-covered slopes has been laid low, the trees being knocked out by the roots or mowed off as by a scythe where the bolter has crashed down through from the peaks above. So like when I showed you that big avalanche or that big rock slide, like I just imagine his trail of destruction. Yeah. A forest ranger. Interesting. I'm introducing a character here. Now, if you lived amongst rock slide bolters, would you get kind of fed up with them eating people? Your friends maybe or people that were there to like visit your stores or your shops or I mean, probably yeah yeah you know would if you, it's a a menace to uh your town yeah it's a menace to you, anyone you, trying to live exist in one of these places <laughs> uh-huh yeah so would you take that mm, no would you want to would you decide to be the brave soul that decides to stand up against the rock slide bolter yeah. Yeah. Yep. We're gonna go and go hunting rock slide bolters. How would you hunt a rock slide bolter? What do you think? Like just you personally. I kind of know what might be happening here, so I'm just wondering. You know, I'd get some mannequins and strap some dynamite to them. Perfect. And then pull them with some sort of contraption, like a vehicle, yeah. down the road. And the bolter's like, "That's alive." Yeah. <laughs> Now, blow it to hell. Are you an expert in dynamite? Yep. Okay, do you know how much dynamite it would take to blow up a rock slide bolter? As much as I can get a hold of. All right. Well, <laughs> introducing our character, the Forest Ranger. A forest ranger whose district includes the rough county between Ophir Peaks and the Lizard Head. Mm-hmm. Made mention to get us to that point to give you a cool idea of what that looked like. Yep. Uh, conceive the bold idea of decoying a slide rock bolter to its own destruction. A dummy tourist was rigged up with plaid Norfolk jacket, knee breeches, and a guidebook to Colorado. It's, I mean, hey, you, would, you have went that far? Yeah, would you have went <laughs> no, that far? I don't think so. Because <laughs> I pictured you just pick, getting the dummy, putting some diamond, like shaking it around. Yeah. Come out here, idiot. So he's got a book. He's got a jacket. He's got some knees. He's got basically... Pants or the, waiters or whatever. Some seasoning. Yeah, exactly. To entice. Mine maybe didn't look as appetizing. That's true. He's got a, you know, he's he wants to give him a gourmet meal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wants to make it look. He's like, you know, he's, he's a guy with a little bit of money. He's got some stuff. Yeah. It was then filled full of giant powder and fulminate caps and posted in a conspicuous place where sure enough, the next day, it attracted the attention of a bolter. Nice. Which had been hanging f- for days on the slope of Lizard Head. The resulting explosion flattened half the buildings in Rico, oh. which were never rebuilt. And oh. the surrounding hills flattened rocks of buzzards the rest of the summer. Well, that How does that go? basically my plan. It was literally <laughs> your plan. Yeah. Uh. yeah. We were talking, well, you had mentioned it. We were talking, you know, people go to work, hang out, and drink. Tail is old as time. <laughs> yeah. How do you blow up a giant monster sliding down the mountains? Well, yep. how do you defeat one? You yep. blow it up, get a couple of dummies. Yep. 
couple of dummies to talk about getting dummies. Do you want to see a drawing of the rock slide bolter? Yeah. I mean, it, I feel like it's got to look. When you said like a sculpin, it's got to just be like a weird. Yeah. Like big a, head ball type thing. Oh, yeah. I was going to say kind of like something from Tremors. Yeah. I mean, basically, that's very similar to like, oh, my God. Yeah. Tremors. Yeah. Like, but instead of graboids coming out of the earth, it just rolls these down, the rolls down the mountain and just comes straight toward you. Yep. But that's totally graboidish. Mm-hmm. 100%. I like the fact that like these people are like freaking out, and this guy's like, "I'm out of here." <laughs> you say, nope. He's <laughs> like, "Oh, the ho- nobody's even on the horse." Sorry, it said. Oh, the horse. It's is a crude drawing. Smart one. Yeah, the horse is leaving, and these guys are running the opposite way, and this thing's coming to get you. But yeah, this tale comes from the 1910 book. It's a book that I was very happy to find. Um, "Fearsome Critters of the Lumber Woods." Nice by William T. Cox, illustrated by Coert Dubois or Dubois, depending on how he pronounced it. And, uh, of course, Du Bois gave us that beautiful illustration Oh yeah, of the rock slide bolter. Mm-hmm. Good old fearsome critters. Just a good old fearsome critters. And, again, why I wanted to mention the working people in the area, because this is what they're talking about, these things. Mm-hmm. Things that really exist, that they really saw. And also, even though I've said it half this episode already, the rock slide bolter, I'm pretty sure he's the slide rock bolter. Oh, my bad. Well, again, he is a living sentient rock slide. Okay. Yeah. Coming that, to that loops you. up his speed with his own slobber. Yeah. The slide rock bolter doesn't play around. He's here to kill. I'm going to read you an introduction. No, no, that's enough. Yeah. You don't know how to respond to that. Be quiet. I'm going to read you an introduction from that book. Okay. Every lumber region has its lore. Thrilling tales of adventure are told in camp wherever the logger has entered the wilderness. The lumberjack is an imaginative being, and a story loses none of its interest as it is carried and repeated from one camp to another. Stories which I know to have originated on the Penobscot and the Kenibi are told somewhat strengthened and improved in the redwood camps of Humboldt Bay. Yarns originating among the river drivers of the Ottawa, the St. Croix, and the upper Mississippi, St. Croix, Mississippi, are respunded groups of listening loggers on Vancouver Island. But every lumber district has its own peculiar tales. Some of their songs also, and nearly all, have mysterious stories or vague rumors of dreadful beasts with which to regale newcomers and frighten people unfamiliar with the woods. Much has been written about the lumberjack in his life. Some of his songs, rough but full of the sentiment of his exciting vocation, have been commemorated, but so far as I know, very few of the strange creatures of his imagination have ever been described by the naturalist or sketched by the artist. The lumber regions are contracting. Stretches of forest that once seemed boundless are all but gone, and many a stream is quiet that once ran full of logs and echoed to the song of the river driver. Some say that the old type of logger himself is becoming extinct. It is my purpose in this little book to preserve at least a description and sketch of some of the interesting animals which he has originated. Fearsome Critters. The Slide Rock Bolter. Oh, yeah. This is about the artist. He wrote, a Grateful acknowledgement is made to the artist, Mr. Court Du Bois, or Dubois, 
who has so faithfully represented these animals. There's a reason why I chose to include it, because I enjoyed it. He never could have drawn them so true to life had he not met them on Tote Road and Trail. Hmm. So he's seen them. He's seen them all. That's why he did such a good job. That's why he's a good artist, because he saw all these creatures, including the rock slide bolter. Um, Slide rock bolter. That's what I... Man, I just... I mean, now I just... It's slide rock bolter, man. Rock slide bolter. Slide rock bolter. (laughs) Damn it. You know, like, when you think of something, then you switch it in your head because you thought oh, yeah. it was wrong. Oh, yeah. And, like, I was just talking about rock slides. But Slide Rock Bolter, it's such a cool name for a creature, too. Yeah, that's pretty it's good. It's great. He's serious. He's a serious, badass guy. So, like, I included, you know, all that mountain and avalanche talk because, again, the Slide Rock Bolter is, he, well, he's a sentient avalanche, sentient rock slide. He's um, hunting amongst them. He's hunting amongst them. Right. How do you know? You were killed by an avalanche, rock slide, or a slide rock bolter under the snow. Yeah. You don't know. But, like, again, we can acknowledge the artist actually saw all these things. They are real creatures, of course. There's no denying that. I mean, there's a book about it. You can't argue. And I found it on the Internet. (coughs) Mm -hmm. You can't argue with any of that. It's true. But, you know, you could also, someone may suggest that perhaps, again, the slide rock bolter is the manifestation of an avalanche or an actual rock slide. Yeah. Someone could argue that. I mean, I'm not saying that, of course. Mm-hmm. He's a real creature that lives in the mountains. I mean, they definitely swallow people up. But, right. And imagine so. telling those tales. And like, it's, you know, oh, this guy got... If you go out west, these monsters are going to eat you in the mountains. What? Mm-hmm. And then, like, let's say um, in the olden days, you walk by a mountain slide that looked like that avalanche by the highway... I mean, the rock slide by the highway with a giant strip of rocks everywhere. Like, wouldn't you, you'd rather, wouldn't you rather talk about a monster coming down the mountain than just like, oh, that just happened because it was a little snowy or an elk moved? <laughs> yeah. Boring. Yeah. What if it was a monster that was trying to eat me and all my friends? Okay. Definitely makes the world more exciting than a deer got stepped on the wrong rock and sent millions of pounds of stone <laughs> cascading down the earth. Right. Yeah. A deer makes a little misstep. And, and it goes, oops, oopsie-daisy. Oh, whoops. Twelve people dead. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Deer on the run. Yeah, they're trying to hunt him because <laughs> yeah. he caused the avalanche. Yeah. This, Murder this deer, psychopath. This deer is walking around towns just slamming his foot down. He figured out it worked. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's time. You guys got to go. Yeah. You're finished. I saw you done. I heard about Bambi. This is for my boy Bambi. <laughs> yeah, shut up. I heard Bambi's mom. <laughs> she was my sister. Oh my god! Wow. Yikes. Close, close vengeance. Mm-hmm. Fearsome critters of the lumber woods is loaded with monsters. It's pretty cool, mm-hmm. and it's also, I mean, I'm, I, it's also one hundred percent amongst the public domain. So I'll definitely be revisiting its contents in the future. Um, but believe it or not, I stumbled onto the rock slide bolter. Slide rock bolter. <laughs> stumbled? That could be a pun. Yeah. Could slide be. Slide rock bolter. Probably is. Yes, probably could be. Whatever. Um, yeah, so we'll be getting back to this book. But I actually fell into the slide rock bolter, and then I fell into a different story. Okay. But I'm not telling this episode. All right. It's next on deck. But 
it takes us back to Colorado. And well, you could argue the Slide Rock Bolter doesn't exist. Well, next time the story I'm telling did in fact actually happen. And it's quite a quite an experience. All right. So I mean everybody needs to come back every week. But that one's something else, so Okay. But that ends our slight fright for tonight. But we'll be heading back to Colorado. But yeah, I wanted to give you a little taste of the Slide Rock Bolter. A creature that, now that I'm thinking about him as tremors, as graboids from the mountains, I'll never look at him the same again. Yeah, mountain graboids. Mountain graboids. The stone's too thick for them to bury underneath, so they yeah, just so they, they never they go just under. sling themselves down the mountains. That's incredible. Graboids that lived, they couldn't, just, they couldn't break through, so they were forced to adapt and evolve in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Well, that's scary. I thought it was at least safe if I was on rocks. Oh, well. Oh, well. Watch out for the Graboids. Yeah, Slide Rock Bolter. Thought it was neat. Yep. Seems pretty cool. It's pretty all right. If anybody has um, survived a Slide Rock Bolter, or even a Rock Slide or an Avalanche, that'd probably be pretty scary, to be honest with you. Um, Like if you just narrowly escaped one. Mm-hmm. You can let us know at weirdandfeardpodcast at gmail.com. Um, hit us up on the Instagram. Follow us um, wherever we can be followed. Patreon.com slash weirdandfeared. Let's get our bonus stuff on there. Behind the veil, the conversation continues. We're all over the place. Check out what we got. We appreciate you. Leave a review. Also appreciated wherever you can. Very much. But then otherwise, watch out for the Slide Rock Bolters in your area. Yeah. None out here. None out here. It's true. But we'll be vigilant regardless. Absolutely. All right, guys. Stay spooky. Yeah, stay spooky.